Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. Really excited to welcome Brian Volker to the Philacrosophy Podcast. Brian is the head coach at Drexel University, a great friend and a great guy, and has uh, really has had an amazing lacrosse journey, and I'm really fired up to have you on. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just getting back. Uh, school started on Monday, and uh, you know, just excited to be back with the guys. Um, the, the weather is a little chilly, which I'm not excited about, but that's uh, lacrosse this time of year. Lacrosse has become an outdoor winter sport. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> you can't complain about it because, I mean. I can't complain about it. But sport, I'm, right? We chose where we're, you know, where we're coaching, I guess. But. No doubt. No doubt. But I definitely get bundled up. We had a little uh, snow squall yesterday in our workout, and uh, I wasn't too excited about it. But um, it is what it is. You know, you just got to yeah. bundle up and uh, put some hand warmers on and cover my bald head with a hat and be, be ready to go. So great to be back out there with the guys, though, isn't it? It is. It is. It's great to be back. We have a good group of kids and, um, you know, it's good, to, good to get together with them and, you know, good to see those guys after, you know, a couple week break and who's worked hard and who's ready to go and the excitement that those guys have. So, uh, yeah, it was good to, good to get back with them. And by the way, how about your Ravens? Uh, you know, just a huge game this weekend. They've had a, you know, incredible year, but, um, Tennessee looked pretty good last week. So, uh, it'll be an interesting game Saturday night. Um, I'm going to hunker down and, uh, be screaming at the TV probably by myself. So you're in uh, you're in, you're in Eagles territory. No doubt, no doubt. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven-day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days. Trust me, when you take a look at it, you're going to want more. Almost everybody gets hooked. All right, enjoy the rest of the podcast. But um, hey, I want to I want to flash back uh, and really just dive in a little bit to your um, to your journey as a player and a coach. And you really extended your player journey quite a ways while you were coaching. Um, and along the way, if you could just talk about the mentors that you had, the things that you might have learned, and any uh, stories that people might find interesting. But uh, um, let's, uh, let's kick it off with, um, with high school and uh, tell us about kind of, you know, the, the most important people in your life there and how you ended up at Hopkins. Yeah, well, you know, I had the opportunity to go to Gilman. Um, I grew up in, in Parkville, Maryland, which is a little uh, town kind of east of Towson. Um, not really known for lacrosse, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, you know, played some rec ball there. Um, and uh, actually, uh, the, the athletic director at Gilman um, is, is a Parkville native um, that knew my grandfather and my uncle really well. Um, and that's how I was lucky enough to kind of 
you know, get, get to Gilman, um, had a great experience there, you know, have a ton of friends that are some of my best friends, you know, to this day, uh, from, from Gilman, um, feel, you know, blessed to have gone there and get the education and, you know, to, to have known some of the people there, um, you know, coach Bristow and, 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 uh, you know, was the football coach there. It was great. Uh, Jody Martin was my high school, uh, my high school lacrosse coach. Um, and he's obviously still very involved in the lacrosse world and somebody I, you know, I see a, a decent amount and talk to a decent amount and, you know, a great person and, and was, you know, I, I feel blessed to have him as my, as my high school lacrosse coach. I think he was a guy that really, you know, looked out for, for us and, and tried to get us to places and make sure that we were taken care of. Um, and, you know, it was one of the reasons that I got hooked up to go to Hopkins, I think, um, cause, cause Jody did some, some work on my end and, and helped me do that stuff. So it was, uh, feel blessed to have gone to a place like that. I think it's a great place, um, with a lot of great people. Um, and again, a lot of great friends there. Great lacrosse tradition. I mean, uh, the, the players that were kind of coming through there in the, uh, in the eighties was pretty off the charts. You know, I can think of like the side. Yeah, you played, you there. played with some guys that were a little bit older than me that went to Brown. Yeah. Um, there were, you know, Billy McComas was a great player. There was a bunch of Carolina guys that were great players uh, right before me. Yeah. Uh, some guys, you know, my year, Brooks Matthews, who was the coach there for a long, long time, played at Carolina. Um, a bunch of my buddies played college lacrosse. We had a, a lot of guys my senior year um, and the guys the year underneath me that played at either at the Division three or the Division one level. Um, and then obviously there were some great players that came through there after mm -hmm. I, I was out of there. So um, it's a great place, um, not only, you know, sports wise, but um, just, you know, so many great people um the the headmaster that was there uh, when i was there uh reddy finney just passed away and just a legendary guy that played you know went to princeton and played a bunch of different sports and just cr created this like incredible culture um and everybody fed off of that gilman might have the greatest wall ball wall of any school in the in on the planet yeah, well, and anybody knows from Baltimore, the, the that wall ball wall goes with uh, you know the the legendary Dan Semf, Semfto, uh, you know, in the stands rooting for for people, and I think Dan Danny's still around and going to games there, and you know he's a, obviously a legend in the Baltimore scene at high school games, and um, you know it's always a, a guy that when I go down there, still like go and see, and he you know knows me and knows who I am and all that stuff, so it's a it's a cool place with a lot of great traditions. Yeah, it's awesome. So you ended up at Hopkins, graduated in 91, and were a three-time All-American defenseman, lefty, and uh, you got a chance to play with, play with uh, some great players and get some great coaching. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the people that had a huge impact on you, both uh, as, as teammates and coaches? Yeah, well, I you know, when I was at Gilman, I got recruited. Um, you know, there were really only a couple of places that I zeroed in on and was lucky enough to, to get recruited by Hopkins and get a scholarship. Coach Zimmerman offered me a scholarship to go there, uh, allowed me to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't have done it without uh, the scholarship. Um, so, you know, feel lucky with that. Coach Tierney, uh, Bill Tierney was the assistant coach and was one of the guys that, that helped recruit me through that process. Um, you know, played for Coach Zim for three years. And then and then Tony Seaman came in my senior year and, and uh, you know, work with him. John Halls was there for four, all four years that I was there. He was a defensive coordinator. 
Um, at Hopkins, we always had uh, volunteer assistants. That was back in the day when you could have like yeah. as many as you want. And, you know, the Hopkins always had a, a bunch of guys, a bunch, you know, through there, through that process. Brian Holman, who's out at Utah, was one of the volunteers there. Um, you know, John Karumanacher, uh, Coach Callen, Joe Callen was there for, for many years that I was there. Dennis Towns, and there was a lot of great lacrosse minds kind of in and out of that place. Um, so, you know, obviously, um, same thing. I feel blessed to have gone there. You know, it was a great place. Um, I have, you know, incredible experiences there. Um, probably had too much fun off the field, um, with my, with my crew. Um, a lot of great, great people, you know, um, you know, I just can't even list the number of great players and great guys that I played with there. Um, still drives me crazy that we didn't win a national championship while I was there, uh, to this day. It's a, it's a long time ago, but still drives me crazy. Um, but yeah, played, played with some awesome, awesome guys and, and great players. That's for sure. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what coach Zim was like to play for and, and what you learned from him. Cause you know, you learned you're a coach now. And so you've probably taken little pieces, you know, from everybody. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Coach Zim was always super organized. Um, he, when I, you know, when I was there, focused a lot on the on the offensive end. Um, to be honest with you, him and I kind of butted heads a little bit. Um, but I think a lot of it was him, you know, just ex the expectations that he had for me, um, and wanted him wanted to see me be a better player. Um, but you know, he he was a great offensive mind. Um, you know, was was super organized. Um, had his way of doing things. Um, and, you know, again, we had some really good offensive players and offensive schemes um, when, when I was there. So, um, and, you know, I think he, he gave a lot of uh, – Coach, Coach Hall has gave him a lot of leeway to run the defense, um, and that's one, definitely one of the things that I learned is, you know, to hire good people and let them do their thing. Um, yeah. When you saw what Coach Zim let him do. Um, but, you know, really good culture and, um, you know, there's still practice drills that we use, um, you know, maybe, maybe they're out of date, but I still use some of them. Um, you, you're right. You pick up things and you, you kind of like put them in your catalog and you always kind of use, use things um, from, from smart lacrosse people. That's, that's what I try to do. That's for sure. How about uh, Coach Seaman? You only got him for one year, but uh, you know, what a great guy and a great lacrosse mind in his own mind. Yeah, same, same thing. I mean, you know, very different personalities. Um, and anybody that knows Coach Seaman knows what a, what a, what an overwhelming personality is. And, uh, you know, what, what a great, you know, just magnetic personality and, and, and funny and, you know, um, just true to himself and true to who he is. Um, he changed things around a lot by senior year. We did things a lot differently. Um, but again, it was, it was good to see a different kind of perspective, a different way to do things. Um, and it, you know, it helped me realize that there isn't one, one way to do it, right? There's a lot of different ways. Um, and I think one of the things that I've learned as a coach is you just have to be yourself. You have to, you know, kind of whatever your personality is, um, you have to be yourself. Um, and, th and that change that, you know, the, the difference in one year to the next um, showed me that you can be successful in different ways um, and doing things differently. And obviously, you did play with a ton of great players. Um, but the one I want to hear some stories about is uh, the current Hopkins head coach, Dave Petramala, who you played for, played with for two years. Um, really, you know, arguably one of the best players of all time, much less one of the best defensemen of all time. Yeah, I mean, Dave um, was obviously somebody that we all looked up to, um, you know, uh, when I, you know, Dave and I played together, um, not only in college, but we played club together um, and we played on the U.S. team together. 
Um, you know, I, I say it, I've, I've played, and this is not a knock on anybody. Um, it's just high praise for Dave. I mean, he was the best player that I've ever played with or against. Um, you know, he's a guy that from the defensive end just affected things so much. Um, I mean, he was, you know, just talented, um, had had kind of this, uh, you know, in a, in a nice way, mean streak to him, a uh, guy that wanted to compete, that wanted to like dominate people um, and could go out and cover the best players and, and not only just cover them, but like really, you know, dominate those guys. You know, he was great off the ground. He was a great uh, communicator, um, really great athlete. Um, I mean, just a, a tremendous, tremendous player and definitely somebody that, you know, I try to take pieces of his game. There were certain things I couldn't do that he could do, uh, but there was, you know, definitely things that you try to take from from such a great player playing with such a great player um but yeah i mean you know i've played with and against some some pretty great ones um but dave was you know is is right at the top of that list no doubt i got a question for you back then takeaway checking was uh part of what made you great you know it was like you weren't going to get scored on but you were also going to be taking the ball away and over the course of time throughout the 90s you know the uh, prince of defense came in Everything yeah. became cross-checking. Um, everything became early slide, no top side. You know, would rather slide than give up top side. And checking was kind of out. Yeah. And it worked. Obviously, Princeton, um, you know, won six championships with that. Um, but but uh, what was it about – I feel like there was – and I have theories on it too. But what, what was it about those days beyond just coaches allowing you to do it that allowed for players to have a repertoire? I mean, like kids have never heard of all the checks. Right. I right. Said. I mean, yeah. just rattle off checks for a second, just for the hell of it. Well, I was never, I was never really one of those takeaway guys, to be quite honest. Um, I, that was never really the thing that I did. Um, you know, I, I had a, an occasional like over the head, and I was a big like slap rap. You know, more of a body, more kind of like the newer, you know, the the newer like position guys. Um, you know, that was more my game. I just wasn't good at it. Um, yeah. If you, you know, if it was at the end of the game and they said go out there and take the ball away from this guy, I wasn't great at that. Um, or at least I don't think I was. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I do think part of it was the stick technology. Part of it was, um, you know, back in those days, you know, when I was in high school, you could play, you play nine long poles. I mean, you know, uh, Syracuse used to ride with nine, nine long poles. Um, so everybody yeah. had a long pole. It wasn't like, okay, go find the short stick. Um, you know, then, then when I got to college, they took one of the poles, they, they took the poles out a little bit and made it five long sticks for a long time. And then, yeah. it, then it obviously went down to four. Um, so I think that was part of it. Um, but honestly, probably the stick technology. Um, I mean, if you look at sticks and, the, and what they are now and the way the ball does not come out really, um, I don't think you can make your living being a takeaway guy these days because, to be honest with you, the checks that we used – the guys used to land back in those days and the ball would come out, I don't really think the ball's coming out all that often. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's guys are stronger, the, you know, the stick technology, the, the, the combination of both, um, but really the ball, you know. I mean, you yeah, can, there's no you doubt. Pretty good checks on people now and the ball doesn't really come out. So you have to play more body. You have to do more cross-check. And, you know, cross-checking – uh, you know, I'll give a shout out to my, my, my man Dito, um, you know, um, John, John Tomaso is the guy that, you know, kind of really created that, you know, that cross check hole at goal line. I don't know if he created it, but he was the best at it probably ever. Yeah. Um, you know, some of his matchups with the, the Nelson guys up at Syracuse and him locking into, you know, a big, strong, you know, crazy, great attackman and locking in on him. 
um, you know, that's obviously something that I, I took away from, and, and I think it was good at that stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that, that stuff came into, to play. And then you're right, coach Tierney and his defenses, the way he played the quick slides and some of that stuff, you know, look, when there's, we're somebody that's that successful, um, people are going to yeah. copy, right? Um, so people started copying that stuff. Everybody started doing it. Um, and then people had to start figuring out, hey, how, you know, how can we get an offense that runs against this defense that everybody's playing now because, you know, Coach Tierney had so much success with it. I agree. Um, there's no question this technology makes a big difference. And I, I think also, um, you know, the way kids are coached was different too because, like, you know, you, you, you were allowed to go over the head back in the day as part of what you did. And learning how to go over the head – taught you how to do a ding-dong. Yeah, no doubt. Right? No doubt. And those two things. And V-holds were standard. And so, right. therefore, all three of those things, a V-hold, an over-the-head, and a ding-dong all went together. And that, you know, anybody can learn how to do that, but you're not going to learn how to do it if you're, if you're never V-holding. Right. And if you're never really going to go over somebody's head, then you're probably not going to learn how to do it. I mean, you could, but it's easier. Yeah, I mean, look, I know when I played, um, you know, the coaches – they gave you a little bit more freedom, but if you're going over the head and you're missing, then you're not going to play. So, um, you know, I don't think anybody was going out and saying, Hey Dave, go, you know, no, no, go, no, go no. Play 49 times with these guys. Um, but it, it was different and you're right. There are guys out there. I mean, if, if you want to get the, the, uh, the dictionary of uh, lacrosse checks, like Ronnie Klausner is the guy, you know, the, one of the most creative guys around he was great takeaway guy, great player at Towson. You know, he's a guy that we, you know, played club with. He, he would come up with names. I, I don't even know what they were, what, you know, what he was thinking they were, but he had great names for all this stuff. He yeah. might have just making it up. I don't know. Um, but uh -huh. yeah, like, you know, there were guys out there that were much better takeaway guys than I were. Uh, you know, I was back then. Um, I, I never got too much into that stuff. The only time I was, you know, throwing the, that stuff was when I, you know, was beat and guys were running by me and, you know, throwing, throwing just to see what happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, the rap checking was a little bit different. Um, like I said, you could, you could throw a rap or a back check or a butt dig and the ball would really come out now nowadays. I mean, you know, that stuff just doesn't happen. Right. Um, and yeah, part of it is, you know, I think, you know, our game has become, you know, co we're, as coaches, we're doing a lot more. And when you do, when you do more, you know, you break things down, you, you kind of let like take away some of that creativity, um, you know, that, that some guys have, I mean, you know, I know for me as a, as a coach now, if we had a guy that could come in and was really good at it, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we used to, we played against Villanova. I would do our scouting report. Um, you know, and the kid that played for Villanova, I said he was like, it was like magic. Like he used to wave a stick at guys and the ball would be on the ground. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't know how he did it. Um, the kid Carolunas. Um, yeah. You know, there weren't many of those guys around. Our guys weren't used to seeing that stuff. Um, and, and we literally used to have to take five minutes on our scouting report and say, okay, if, you know, if you're running this way, these are the things he's going to do. You might be better off running left-handed instead of running right-handed. Exactly. Um, right. It's a weird thing to say to a kid because they just don't see that stuff anymore. No, you do not run left-handed on Dave Petromala. <laughs> um, but you know what's funny the reason one of the reasons why I say this is I know that in college you know it wasn't like everybody was allowed to get to go over the head and, and get cooked for a goal but I remember just recently in the last few years there was like I, I don't know on on Twitter on something there was like uh, I clicked this link for I think it was Brian versus 
Um, yeah, Washington's Tavern game. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I mean, everybody was going over the head nonstop. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like, and they were they were able to get over and back, but without actually giving up position. But it was, you know, Breshi was in there. He was playing for Brian. He was going over the head nonstop. These guys were. I mean, but I think that's different. I think that's the thing. I mean, even if you look at you know the the U, the U.S. stuff and the pro league stuff, yeah. um, I mean, look back in the day for for you know people that don't know when you graduated from college, you went and played club, and yeah. the best players played club, and it was basically the same guys that would be in the pro league now. You know, it's the same guys that are on the, the U.S. teams. All those guys yeah. were trying out. Um, those were you know it was the most talented lacrosse that you were going to see. You know, those guys yeah. you, they could beat you know, most college teams, but, you know, the coaches, not that they, you know, weren't good coaches, but they also were more like, okay, here's who we're yeah. subbing, you know, they were organizers, they were letting guys go, you know, you weren't, you know, they weren't sending you running laps if you, you know, if you didn't listen to them or whatever, um, you know, the, 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 the days of Mount Washington, I mean, the, the guys that ran through that program when I played there, you know, Skip Lickfuss and Dennis Way were the coaches were, you know, awesome guys that put in so much time and effort um, into that program and into the club, you know, network. Um, but the, you know, the players that came in and out of that thing and the, the crazy fun we had, you know, after games and, and, you know, kind of all the stuff that we did. Um, it's an awesome, you know, it's an awesome thing to have, you know, as part of your past, Um but like I said, even now, like the U.S. teams are a little bit different. Um, you know, we just had a, a, a get together with the 90, 1994 team about a month ago in Baltimore. And we were telling funny stories. And, I'm, you know, I'm looking around and Tucker Durkin coaches for me. I'm, I'm not sure he's doing a lot of the things that we were doing, you know, getting ready for the 1994 World Games. Because um, it's just a different, a little bit of a different world. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, those guys are taking it a little bit more serious. Um, you know, we, we goofed around some partly because we could, um, but partly it was just a different thing. It's a different yeah. world. So after Hopkins, you, you coached in 92 at Princeton and, uh, were, was, that was a part of, uh, coach Tierney's first championship. Um, what was it like, uh, coaching for coach T? Um, I mean, you know, the, besides crazy, cause you know, that sideline was definitely crazy. Um, you know, obviously he's the, again, you know, not to, to knock anybody, but, um, you know, to me in my lifetime, he's the best coach around. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, did amazing things at Princeton. He's done amazing things at Denver and still doing them. Um, I don't know how he's still doing them, to be honest with you, but he's still pumping out great teams and winning national championships and compete for national championships. Um, you know, as a young guy, it was great to, to kind of learn, to be given a lot of responsibility. I mean, I was younger than, you know guys on the team to be quite honest with you um you know one of the the, the captains of that team is a guy that I went to high school with is one of my best friends David Gaines um but you know those are guys that were basically my same age and um coach Tierney gave me a lot of freedom um to do things on a defensive end um you know down the when we were practicing I was doing a lot of things by myself um felt like it gave me a lot of responsibility and I learned a lot um you know living with Dave Metzbauer was a a, a, a an experience of its own and Metzi's you know, great lacrosse mind and a great roommate. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was an awesome experience. Um, you know, obviously great players, you know, great kids that I coached there that obviously aren't kids anymore. Um, but it was, you know, incredible and, and winning a national championship coming out, um, you know, and coaching for a year there um, was, was incredible. I remember us being at the Carolina lacrosse camp, I think in 1992. Yes. 
91, I think it was. I think it was 90. It was right when I graduated. Well, 91, but then I think 92 also, because I remember saying to you, like, well, folks, you know, you won a national championship. You know, <laughs> pretty much done it all. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got out of coaching for a little while. I thought I was going to yeah. go out on top. Yeah, so. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was you know, such a cool experience. And Princeton's, ob Princeton's obviously an incredible institution. Um, you know, Princeton, New Jersey is not the best place to live when you're – you know, 22, 23 years old and, um, you know, single, but, um, but, you know, my wife and I were, were dating at that time pretty serious. So I was like, you know, driving down to Northern Virginia and her and I were meeting in Delaware and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, crazy, incredible. Um, you know, D Dave Morrow is a really good friend of mine because of that experience. Um, Dave and I have gotten, you know, to be great friends. Um, and, and really a lot of that started because, uh, you know, me coaching there, um, there's guys I still keep in touch with, um, you, you know, Mike Mariano is a guy that played defense there. Like yeah. I said, David Gaines is a really good buddy of mine. Um, and it's great seeing all those guys. Um, again, there were some, some super, super talented players. Um, I think some, it's funny because people, you know, look at those teams and, say, you know, you know, Coach Tierney won without as much talent as some guys. Uh, they were pretty talented, talented group of players there. Um, there was a lot of, like, all-time great guys, you know, on that, on that team. No doubt. All right, so you got out of coaching for a little while, and then fast forward to kind of when you got, got back in, and what was your uh, trajectory as you moved up before you ended up at Penn? Yeah, so I was, um, you know, I was out of coaching and, you know, I'd always kind of stayed in touch with Coach Seaman at, at Hopkins. Um, there was an opening there. He, you know, he kind of uh, gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to get back into it. Um, I think maybe to the chagrin of my wife, um, you know, I, I did. Um, it was something that, you know, I'd always kind of like thought about doing again. Um, you know, I, I think it was good to get out of lacrosse for a little while and see what the, the quote unquote real world's like and, and have some real world experience, you know, and some sales jobs and doing some things. Um, but, you know, was again, fortunate enough that coach Seaman, you know, thought enough of me as a, you know, a player and thought enough of me as like, you know, the a mind for the game um, that, he, that he came after me. I was an assistant coach there at Hopkins um, for three years, um, a year with Tony, and then he left. Um, and then for two years under John Hawes, um, you know, got to coach with, with, uh, with Todd Cavallero, who's a good friend of mine. You yeah. know, we were teammates and, and Todd eventually came and, and helped me coach at, at Penn for a little bit. Um, but again, you know, dealt with some, some really good, kids some great players um had some pretty good success um went to the final four twice um and then um you know coach halls left and went down to, to, to north carolina um you know i got an opportunity it was a little bit of a, a, a strange opportunity and a different opportunity um you know i i'd always wanted to be a head coach and a lot of the things i heard in the interviews that was like hey you know we think you did a good job but you don't have any you know head coaching experience so um I you know took a little bit of a gamble and um took an opportunity with the with the uh the new the new then first year of the pro league uh with the Bayhawks um and you know was able to do the first draft for those guys and um and be the coach there for a year um and then things kind of went a little bit sideways to be quite honest with you uh, with the management group there um and then I got out of that and uh was lucky enough. I was kind of scrambling to be quite honest for a summer um, with uh, young kids and, and a wife. And I was playing in Boston, commuting from Baltimore, trying to figure out, you know, what my career path was going to be. Um, was lucky enough to get the job at Penn. Um, you know, was there for, I think I'm, I'm not great with dates, seven years. And what year um, was that? Like 2002 through 2003 through 2009 or something? 
something like that. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that, but something like that. Um, yeah. So, um, and then yeah, obviously I've been here at, at Drexel for, I think this is my 11th year coming up. So, um, you know, we're, I say it all the time, Philly's a great place. The Eagles fans drive you crazy. The cheesesteaks are really good. Um, but, you know, super happy here at Drexel. I feel like, um, you know, we've, we've had some, some success, had some really good kids through our program, um, you know, had, you know, in 2014, obviously a great season and went to the final eight of the NCAAs. Um, you know, last year uh, felt like we kind of got our feet underneath of us after the, the uh, uh, a tough start, um, you know, lost a really good Towson team in the, in the CA finals and have a really good group of kids coming back um, and, you know, looking to kind of build on the, the success we had last year at the end of the year. That's awesome. Well, let's transition to talking a little bit about Drexel. Um, can you talk to uh, us about how you go about building the culture within your program? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm one of those coaches. Um, I mean, I say it to recruits all the time, like I don't, you know, we don't look for, we're not like a system program, right? You don't have to be this size as an attackman or do these exact things as a D guy. Um, you know, for us, we try to get the best kids, um, the best players, um, the best kids, you know, hard workers, people that want to roll up their sleeves and kind of buy into the things that we do. Um, we've always been a late recruiting group. Um, you know, people ask me about the new recruiting rules all the time and I think they're great. Um, but I'm like, they don't really affect us all that much because we, we've never really done it early. So, um, you know, we want to get kids that know what they're getting into. We want kids that want to be a part of our program. Um, we want kids that want to work hard that, you know, that make lacrosse a priority that like playing lacrosse, um, as a coaching staff, um, you know, I try to always, uh, remember that lacrosse is a game and that it should be fun and you should laugh a little bit. Um, obviously there are some things that, that you have to do, um, that aren't the most fun. Um, but you also want to try to create a, a culture where kids want to be here. They like, they want to be a part of it. Um, you know, I say it to our guys a lot, it, it, you know, it's their team as much as it is my team. Um, and you know, we want to just create an opportunity for kids to come in, work really hard. Um, not everybody's going to play, but we give everybody an opportunity to show us what they can and can't do. Um, so there's sometimes when that's been great and it's worked really well. And there's sometimes when you, you scratch your head and you're like, Whoa, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? Um, we're not, you know, the kids aren't responding. Um, but again, I, I do think this is a good place to play. I think there's really good kids in the program. Um, you know, I think I, again, in the past 10 years, we've been in the CAA playoffs eight of the 10 years here. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're always kind of scratching, clawing and fighting for that CAA championship. And, um, you know, our goals here are always to, to win our conference and to go to the NCAA tournament. So you were a three-time All-American defenseman and kind of coached defense all the way through. Um, and now you've got Tucker Durkin, one of the best defensemen of this era. Yes. As a defensive coordinator, um, how, how, do you, um, how do you do that um, in the sense of, like, there's things that, you know, you believe and there's things that you know he can do. And you have the opportunity to have a guy like Coach T who is, uh, you know, he might be the best defensive coach of all time, and he let you have some autonomy. How do you balance that for you? Yeah, well, again, um, you know, when when I'm hiring guys um, and, you know, Steve Boyle's been here doing a great job with our offense. Again, I'm not, you know, great with dates, um, but before him, Connor Ford was here, great offensive mind. Um, you know, I've worked with, uh, you know, other guys, Todd Cavallaro. Those are the three guys that I've worked with on the offensive end. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Chris Collins just left here um, and worked with our D guys for a long time. Um, when you hire people, you have to, 
you have to feel good about who they are and what they can do and what their skill set is. Um, and when I hired Tucker, you know, him and I kind of sat down. I felt like I interviewed, to be honest with you, a, a bunch of guys that would have done a really good job. Um, but when Tucker and I sat down and talked about kind of philosophies and things that, you know, he wants to do or likes to do, and, and it just really kind of clicked with the things that I want to do um, and like to do um, and how I do them. Um, but, you know, I, I tell to all my coaches, like, look, when we have these, these meetings and we go through things, you know, I'll sit down and talk to Steve about like, hey, I saw this team do this. Maybe we can do this on offense. You know, I'll sit down with, with Tucker. I'll sit down with, uh, you know, Todd, who's our uh, Hodson, who's our volunteer right now and talk about face-off stuff. You know, I try to be involved in all parts of the game, but I really want to give those guys autonomy and let them do what they're really good at. Um, you know, I, I say it all the time in our meetings, like if we're going to do things, I don't want you guys just to shake your head and say, yes, let's do it your way. Let's all sit down, kind of hash through what we think's good, what we think's bad, how we can attack people, how we can defend people, you know, how we can, you know, be good in riding and clearing. Um, and then, you know, once we kind of like get it all squared away, um, then we kind of go all be on the same page with the kids, but I don't need somebody just saying, yeah, that's the way to do it. I want different opinions and different way to do things. Um, you got to have other, you know, other people looking at the game, uh, smart people that know what they're, what they're doing. And that's what I've always tried to hire. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give Tucker a lot of autonomy. Um, you know, somebody asked me how he's doing. I'm like, he's doing great. We haven't gotten scored on yet. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but he, you know, he's got obviously a lot of respect from our kids. He's done a great job recruiting. Um, his name out there right now is as good as anybody's. Um, he's as good a player, you know, he's a f fantastic defenseman. Um, you know, he's got every accolade that you can think of for a defenseman to have. Right. Um, so um, hopefully that carries some weight, carries weight. Our guys will listen to him. Um, yeah. I think he's got a great eye for the game, and um, he's done a good job teaching that stuff to our guys so far. What would you say your, you know, the way you guys play defense is, just big picture, 50,000 feet? What's your, what's your philosophy on defense? Well, I mean, again, it's the same thing. We always want to be, you know, we always want to play hard, be aggressive. Um, you know, I know a couple years ago we, you know, we ended up playing all zone because, like, we just – we just kind of had to do it with the way things worked out and the personnel and stuff like that. So um, again, our, my, my philosophy again is like to figure out who we have and what they're good at. Um, you know, if, if there's a great takeaway guy that's in our program, you know, we'll kind of let him go to work a little bit. Um, if we have, um, you know, guys that are more off ball guys, then all of a sudden you throw in zone stuff. Um, so it's really depending on, you know, on who we have and, you know, who sometimes who's, who's healthy, you know, who the leaders of the program are, um, but, you know, ideally, we'd love to be a man to man, play aggressive, um, you know, get, get all after ground balls, you know, have some guys that can clear the ball. Um, you know, last year we had some short stick D middies that were, you know, a couple of the guys we recruited as offensive guys and they ended up being D middies for us. Um, but they made some pretty good decisions in transition. So we ran a lot of early offense with those guys or kept those guys in if we thought we had good matchups. Um, we're trying to figure out if we can do that again this year. And if we can't, then we got to, you know, figure out how to make up for some of those goals. So every year is a little bit different, um, a little bit different on offense, a little bit different on defense, a little bit different in the middle of the field, how we ride and clear. Um, but, you know, it, it, I, again, I think as a coach, I always try to make things pretty simple. Um, like I said, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, if you just get really good guys that really want to be a part of it and want to buy into what you do, um, I always try to give some guys freedom to do things that they're good at, right? Um, yeah. 
We have a, a great Canadian guy. Like, you know, we're not going to ask him to like run down the alley right-handed um, and, and score from 10 yards out right-handed. It's just not what he's good at. Right. Not going to work on righty alley shots with your lefty Canadian goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we, you know, we try to do those things. And again, I think that's, if that's, if there's anything about our program um, th that, I think stands out is we, you know, we just want to get guys that like, like it, that want to be here, that like are, are laughing a little bit, that are having fun, that want to be a part of this thing. And then we can always tailor, um, you know, some of the things we do, the specifics on defense, how we play the zone, the man to man, um, you know, we can do that stuff um, depending on the year. I think the other thing, I guess the other big kind of key defensively for us is, you know, I'm a big believer in trying to make the offensive players, do things that they're not good at. So if, if you do have a great goal scorer, you know, make him be a feeder. Um, if you have a, you know, if you have a great right-handed, this guy that does this thing, you know, try to make him do it left-handed. Um, you know, we definitely play a, a, you know, a base defense that's very similar, I, I would say throughout the year, but we definitely tweak it um, based on personnel of who we're playing, um, you know, what they're really good at. If they have one great player, if they have a couple great players, if they do this one thing really well, you always try to, I, my, my point of view is always try to make those guys do other things. Um, and sometimes there's guys that are really good out there that can do other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, you try to make those guys do other things. All right. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Uh, v hold or cross check hold, which do you prefer? Which do you teach or both? Um, we teach them both. Um, and again, like I said, I, I think, um, I, you know, I know as a player, I was always much more comfortable, uh, with the cross check hold, um, left on left cross check hold. No, no, no. The, uh, left on right. Um, I mean, when you're left on left and right on right, are you going cross check or V hold? Uh, when you're left on left and right on right, uh, we try to get guys to V hold. Um, but we, you know, again, there are some guys that just aren't great at it. So, you know, we'll let those guys kind of keep their stick behind them and cross check them if they're really good at like getting their body up and not yeah. giving up top side stuff. Um, again, it's part of, you know, you say it like you watch guys, you know, hit a baseball. There's a lot of guys that stand a, you know, a different way uh, they, can, they can hit. Right. So we want guys to be able to do their thing, but there's certain things they have to be able to do kind of within what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, if you can keep your stick behind a guy and take away top side, um, with your body, then you can, you can put your stick behind a guy. Um, yeah. if not, we prefer you to go left on left, right on right, do the V hold stuff. Right. Um, but I think, it, I know there's some, some people that are teaching the opposite, um, yeah. you know, that are going the other way. Um, there's some guys that are pushing guys up field. Like, you know, there's all kinds of different ways of playing it. But like I said, for us, it's like, you got to know what the basics of the defense are. Um, and once you, you know, once you do the basics, you can get a little bit freelance in the way into how you do those basic things. Right. And to be able to like control a guy with your cross check right on right for a while is great. You know, if they get past your bottom hand, you know, then you can get some ball pressure. And it's like we were talking earlier about post-ups before this conversation started and how, you know, and I remember like Notre Dame did the same thing. You know, uh, they put a righty V hold on Lyle Thompson. They put a lefty V hold on Ty Thompson because they right. want these left on left against these Canadians because right. – it's just take, it's like, it's, it's, it's an element of ball pressure that you can't have with your cross check right on right, correct? Right, no doubt. And, you know, with those guys, those Canadian guys that are used to contact, uh, those guys that are so skilled doing that, sometimes they, they want the contact, right? And um, they, they kind of invite that stuff to get the D guys off balance, and then they're getting their hands free, they're stepping back, they're spinning, uh, they're coming underneath, um, and they're using the D guys 
pressure away from that. So, yeah. So there's, there are a lot of times when we play those kind of two-handed box guys, you know, obviously most of those guys are Canadians, but there's some Americans that are playing like that now um, where we're trying to get guys to go, you know, with the V hold and, and that way you get a little bit more stick pressure and yeah. get hands. And, and again, obviously the Canadian guys from their box background aren't you as used to, you know, long poles and doing that stuff. Um, you know, when, when you do it the other way, the long pole doesn't really affect them as much. Right. So um, right. it's like, there's no pole. <laughs> yeah. So we teach, we do teach that a little bit. Yeah. So, and I know the answer to all of these is both, but, um, <laughs> but uh, how about um, when the ball's behind uh, crease slide or coma? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I grew up playing coma, um, but our, our thing has been crease slide a lot. Um, we, we do, that's the majority of our, our stuff and that's really our base defense. Um, and again, the thing we teach in all fall, the thing we're teaching, like, the, you know, starting Monday is our first real practice. That's the thing we're going to like, you know, really kind of go through. There's a lot of, you know, different ways to play defense now. Um, but the first things we're teaching are, you know, to take away the top side, to take away the middle of the field, to slide from the crease. Um, like I said, I think you can do a lot of different things off of that, but that's what we're teaching right now. Do you feel like you can get better double teams um, off of V-hold than off of cross-check hold? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, some, sometimes it's easier to kind of like pinch guys doing that stuff. Um, but like I said, if you, I mean, if you do a great job kind of like for people who like to post up and you can get up under their arm in that V hold, um, and then you slide to the guy's back, it's hard yeah, to get I mean, away from that stuff too. So, um, it's more, more the, the dodging player, what he allows you to do sometimes, uh, yeah. um, than it is the guy actually playing the ball off it, if the guy plays the ball the right way, it's what if the player keeps his head down, he's posting up, and he doesn't know what's coming. Um, and and to be honest, we it's one of the things Tucker and I talk about. I think we have to do a better job of when we do slide from the crease, and we do a good job of taking that 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 away and and posting it is staying on that double a little bit more. That's the one yeah, thing we're really sure. trying to do this year. What about this one? Okay, uh, in an invert, single invert, do you go man or zone? Uh, we, you know, we do man a lot. And again, um, you know, we talk to our guys, um, a lot about like how to play the invert stuff. Um, you know, for me, there's, you know, a couple of things that we do, you know, if, if teams like really get, get the guy behind and are that slow invert, like here I come, let's set everything up, let's set up our offense. You know, a lot of times we'll just like fire a guy out there and release him. Flush and, and flush them out um, and, you know, try to get those guys caught kind of with their, you know, their, their feet standing still and they're not ready to really do anything um, and just take away that matchup. Um, so we do that stuff a lot. Um, you know, we're, we're all of our slide stuff. We try not to, you know, when you're, when you're covering somebody because we slide from the crease, we don't, we try not to kind of pre-rotate. We try to like cover the guy on the crease and then slide. And then if you're going to get yeah. off by, you might as well go. Um, so we don't do a lot of kind of zone up, quote unquote, stick right. a guy right in the middle and zone up and wait. Um, because I feel like if you do that stuff too much, there's too many guys, it's too slick. Guys are too good at like throwing the ball through and throwing the ball, you know, in on the crease. Um, so we try not to do that stuff. Um, we also try not to slide right from the person. If there's somebody right on the crease, right on top of the crease, we try not to slide from those guys. Um, yeah, from the mirror, because either they're going to roll off and, you know, throw it to him and, and hit somebody, 
um, we try to slide from somebody else there. So it doesn't always work, but we, we yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's no right, wrong, right or wrong way. And we've talked about this before. I mean, I kind of know the answers to the questions. Yeah. I mean, look, it's really interesting stuff. And I was curious about evolution, you know? Yeah. And look, you know, again, part of it's like what teams are good at and how they do the inverts, um, what they're used to. Um, Obviously there's, you know, we'll go about it and maybe in the first quarter we'll go early and in the second quarter we won't Um, then change it up again in the third. Um, The guys have to, to know everybody's got to, you know, you talk about it defensively. I mean, you can draw up like all these great ways to play defense. If half of the guys are doing it one way or another half are doing another, it's not going to, it's not going to work. Right. Sometimes it's if all the guys, but one are doing it one way and, and somebody else isn't, it, it's not going to work. So um, you got to kind of be on the same page. You got to know what's going on. Um, I, you know, I say to our guys, sometimes you can do it wrong if you're all doing it wrong, right? If like you're all doing the, the same thing, um, they got to just communicate it. Maybe we're not doing it the way we want them to do it, but hey, some guy just picks it. I'm going to go. I got to go. Everybody else covers up for them. Um, if they're all doing it the same, then you can kind of cover up for yourself a little bit. There's so much two-man game going on on the wings out top, you know, and behind. Um, you know, philosophically, I mean, obviously, again, the answer is all of the above, I'm sure. But when, when, um, when there's two-man games, big littles and stuff going on behind the net, um, what, what, do you, what do you think is the most effective way to play that? Yeah, well, um, and I think you and I talked about it the other day. You know, for us, and, and, you know, I go back to my box. You know, I played for the Wings for a long time, and I go back to a lot of my box stuff and the way we play defense. And, you know, again, I got lucky to play with a great group of guys and had a guy like Tony Resch as a co- you know, as the coach at the, for the Wings for a long time. Um, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of the concepts that we played there kind of getting in hip pockets, um, you know, not letting the picker get on your back. Um, you know, some of that stuff, we, we, we talk through that stuff and, and go through that stuff with our guys. Um, you know, for, for us, it's like the closer you get to the goal, the more likely it is that you're going to switch and the farther away you get from the goal, the more likely it is you're going to be able to get guys through. Um, I think some through under or over or both. Um, both. Yeah. I mean, under usually, but if the guy doesn't use the pick, you can go over. Um, that's kind of the, the thought that we always have with our guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people get caught up, um, with matchups so much yeah. Yeah. that obviously that's one of the reasons that the two man game works so well offensively. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we, we, a lot of times we're, that's not us. We're not like, okay, this guy's got to be on this guy or we're, we're dead or, you know, so uh, for us, a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, that we want that guy to get a pole on him. If we can keep the pole, let's keep it. Um, if we have to switch, we have to switch. And then we can always slide a little bit early to a guy who's really good. Um, so we, we don't get hung up with that stuff a lot. Um, and again, the philosophy for us is the farther away you are from the goal, the easier it is to get through and not have to switch. The closer it is uh, you are to the goal then you know, there's times when it's just automatic and you're going to have to switch. Um, and sometimes those switches maybe even can turn into doubles if you're, yeah. you know, if you're really close to the goal. Yep. So those, that's our basic philosophy with that stuff. What do you think about the way people are playing it these days? You're seeing it more and more about where, where like, you know, there's some dominant attack. Man. Like I remember doing this when I was with the Atlanta Blaze, you know, if Rob Pinnell or Jordan Wolf or something were doing a two-man game, we wouldn't even bother going behind the net with the picker. We'd just keep him right in front. And it was almost like a coma version of two-man uh, pick defense, which then allows you to guard four, five with four in front of the net and really encourage them to throw. Yeah, we, we've done that. You know, we don't play a ton. We call it pick soft. We don't play a ton of pick soft. Um, the times that we do do it is when we think the guy who's actually setting the pick isn't a huge danger. It's a huge threat. Um, you know, I feel like if you play that pick soft and the guy – 
um, who's back there setting the pick is a really talented offensive guy and he gets you hung up, then you're in trouble. You know, he's got a big run at you. He can go both ways. He's got his hands free. So if that guy, you know, like, a, you know, teams are running the early offense and they're setting picks with poles or setting their picks with D middies that aren't like super talented offensive guys, you know, we'll play that pick soft, let the ball go back there. And then you don't have a guy who's a giant threat um, pushing a, pushing a corner. On you. you see Denver doing that where they don't even go behind with the shorties like ever. Yeah. I mean, there, again, there's teams that do it. Um, like I said, I think, you know, offensively when I see teams doing that stuff, you know, I'm like saying to Steve, Hey, let's sit, you know, put that, put a, put a, a guy back there who's really good. who may be really two handed. A guy that can like make really good decisions or a guy who can like, maybe he's only one handed, but he's going to get to that one pipe and he's yeah. going to get shot off. Um, yeah. You're going to bang a shorty and get a shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. All right, let's transition to offense. I mean, you've had, you've had unbelievable success uh, with, um, with a lot of your Canadians. A lot of Coquitlam guys, too. Yeah, we Already really, back with the, uh, the church and McIntosh days and right up to the current, uh, the, the current days um, with uh, your current lefty finisher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rebound. We, we had three righty, uh, you know, three righty guys with uh, Church and Ben and, and Cole Schaefer. Um, and then, you know, we went crazy and got this lefty guy from Coquitlam with Reed. And, um, you know, all four of those guys have been great. And, you know, I do have to give Garrett McIntosh a little credit because I think he was the first Coquitlam guy here, even though he was. Um, but um, Coquitlam you know, guys are great guys, man. I'll tell you what, they've got a, an amazing lacrosse culture there. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, like every, everybody's great. Your son, you know, played with those guys. I mean, there's a reason that they're – the, one of the best teams every year and um you know you and i've talked about it you know reed really well i mean he's just such a great kid uh, along with being a great player um you know i say it all the time like i don't have daughters but like he's the kind of kid you would want your daughter to date I mean, he's just such a great kid he works hard in school he doesn't say anything he yeah. just goes does his business i you know i said it to you the other day he doesn't always do what you tell him to do but he tries um he yeah, tries he to does. do those things so um he's such a great kid and he's you know been such a good player for us we're gonna need him to have a great year uh, but yeah it's been a pretty good connection for us um we're we're trying to see if we can keep that stuff going um, trying to keep that pipeline going. But, yeah, we've, we've done really well out in British Columbia. Uh, we've had some really good kids from Claremont um, out on the island. Um, you know, obviously there's some really good East Coast guys, and we have some East Coast guys on our team right now. Um, there's some great players from Canada, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I joke with them all the time. I make fun of the way they talk. Um, you know, those guys used to drive me crazy when I played on the wings and, um, you know, they were cheaping you in the neck and cross-checking you and all that stuff. But um, we've had a ton of success and some great kids, um, not just great players, but great kids uh, come through here. Um, and, yeah, we obviously want to continue that. So I, I want to say Reed Bowering, um, when I first saw him play, my son was playing um, intermediate lacrosse. It was right around the time you were recruiting him, in fact. Right. I remember this, right? I mean, he was like a junior in high school. It was like kind of late recruiting in BC always. Yeah. Anyways, he was the MVP of the league as a lefty goal scorer. And that year, he started getting pulled up to the junior A's, um, the Adnax junior A team, and, and, and they put him right on defense. And he played defense and was defenseman of the year in the league for pretty much every year. I mean, sometimes if he wasn't, it was just because he missed, you know, he, <laughs> you guys are quarter school. He wouldn't yeah, get back yeah. until mid-June or whatever. But, um, but here is a guy that was played offense all the way through. It was MVP of the 17 and 18 year old high level league in intermediate lacrosse. And he's been your leading goal scorer for how many years? Yeah. And he's a D man and will probably be the first, he'll be the first defenseman picked in the NLL draft next year. And he'll probably be in the top five draft picks. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got incredible hands. He's a great teammate. 
Um, he's, you know, I say all the time, like when we do any drill um, or there's any ground ball in our practice, if Reed doesn't come up with it, our guys are like, what's wrong with Reed? Like he comes, he gets literally every ground ball in practice yeah. when he's there, when he, when he's within, you know, five, 10 yards of a ground ball, if he doesn't get it, our guys feel like he's hurt or there's something wrong because he gets every one. Um, but I know, you know, when he, when he first got here, when he was a freshman, when he showed up in the fall, I asked him if I had to put a pole in his hand. Um, and he did laugh at me and said, no, I'd rather not. But I think if I would have given him a pole, he wouldn't have cared. Like as long as he was like contributing and playing, you know, when he got here, um, we were trying to figure out like what to do with him. We played him at midfield a little bit. Um, and then I think for like the first, maybe the first two games of the year. Um, and then we were like, we're crazy. We just got to have him in, put him on that lefty spot. Um, but even this year he came up to me and was like, Hey coach, I'll play some man short if you want me to. I man mean, short. kid that'll do anything. You know, he'll stoke some shots for you. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll do anything that to help us win. And um, like I said, he's a tremendous, tremendous kid. We love him. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a great indoor player. Hopefully he gets some looks um, for the Canadian national team, the outdoor team. Um, but I know he's going to have a ton of success. He's great. Yeah, no doubt. Well, so, and, you know, just like on the defensive end where you, you know, you've got certain philosophies, but you basically mold your, your, your philosophy every year to what you have. It's the same thing on offense. Um, and because you always have some Canadians in the mix and you always have, you know, some two handed Americans in the mix, you know, how do you blend the pairs type of stuff to also allow for these, quick rollback guys that can shoot the ball with both hands and feed it with both hands. And how do you, how do you marry the two? Yeah. Well, again, um, the good news for our offensive guys is I stay out a lot of that, um, you know, <laughs> high level stuff. And um, again, Steve's done a great job doing that stuff. Um, and, you know, we had a really good offense last year. We had, you know, good offense two years ago. Our offense is really, to be honest with you, carried us for the last couple of years. Um, you know, we have, I think eight of our nine scores back from, from last year, top scorers, um, I, you know, we, again, we, Steve's been, you know, he's just done a really good job. He's super creative. Um, we try to give guys some freedom. We try to like, you know, blend some guys in, um, you know, last year we had, um, you know, some guys that were midfielders that were really attackmen, um, and we had to get real creative. Um, and Steve did a great job of having those guys attack from the wing and attack from behind the goal um, and having guys pair up with Reed or with Marshall, who graduated, a Canadian guy, yeah. um, do some pick and roll stuff. Um, you know, I don't think we, we call our offense pairs, um, you know, yeah. which is obviously, you know, when Chris was here, he, he ran a lot of that stuff and had some guys yeah. to do it. Um, but um, we, we have some of those concepts and, um, like I said, when you have a guy like Reed and, and you can get another lefty over there and uh, that you got guys that are that slick and can handle the ball, they can either create, um, you know, tough matchups if they get a switch or create confusion. Um, and, and then when they create confusion, they can put a, you know, a ball on a guy's ear and a guy can catch it. Um, those are the things we try to do on our, on our offensive end. Um, again, we, you know, we think we have some midfielders this year that can dodge downhill. Um, we have some, some guys that can attack long poles um from up top and from behind so we're going to want to try to do that stuff a little bit um you know Matt Varian's been um you know our leading scorer every year he's been healthy that he's here um he's a real two-handed guy that like we we give a green light to I mean he goes after people and he's really good at it um so you know Steve does a great job being creative putting guys in good spots um figuring out what guys are good at um you know, I know the last couple of years we haven't really run midfield lines and we've just paired guys together. And when guys are hot in the game or guys are hot in a quarter, you kind of kind of keep them going. Um, so we're going to continue to do that stuff. Um, 
but yeah, you, you also have to have good players, you know, no yeah. matter how creative you are on offense, no matter how, you know, what you do as a coach, um, you got to get guys that are willing to work hard at it and get better. Um, you know, Colin Mailman's a kid for us that played, you know, short stick D midi for two years. He came to me, you know, after a second year and said, you know, I really want to play offense. And I said, okay, well, you're gonna have to work really hard to do it. Um, and he took all summer and, and really worked and came back and was our best midi last year, our best offensive midi as a junior. And, and really talented kid just and I give him a ton of credit for working at it um so you know you hope you hope what that does as a coach is that rubs off on other guys right yeah. um they, you know they see what happens when when you do put the time and the effort in so um yeah those are things that we we always try to do but again I give Steve a lot of credit for for um you know creating you know scenarios and being creative um and I give the kids a lot of credit for putting the time and the effort in when um when you talk about having a lot of attackmen running out of the midfield and you got new rules with shot clock. And it seems like a lot of people are just trying to go two ways as much as they can. Yeah. Um, you know, what's the biggest key for not, for not giving up transition there? Is it just pretty much don't take bad shots? Uh, yeah. And again, it's, um, I mean, part of it's also um, the, having the ride game and how you ride and sometimes how you get guys on and off the field. Um, we practice that a lot. Um, and, you know, our guys know – you know, when it's certain midfield combinations, some guys are, are you know, are running to the far corner um, and some guys are running to the box. Um, so yeah. you have to know that stuff. Um, so we, we've done a pretty good job of that. But then there's teams and you play, um, you know, Albany is a real two, two-way team. It's hard to run those offensive guys or those defensive guys. Um, so you have, you have to make sure the kids know that stuff. And there are certain games – what we're saying to kids, Hey, you're going to have to play defense. Um, if you're, you know, if you're running midfield for us, I know you, you know, maybe been a high school attackman or used to playing that stuff. You're going to have to understand the, some of the basic concepts of what we're doing and get back first. And then if we can sub you on and off. So um, we've been pretty decent at that stuff. Um, but you know, we, the, the, the ride and, and practicing it and practicing getting guys on and off the field um, becomes super important. I know this fall, yeah. I felt like we we practiced more full field stuff. We practiced more face off and sub stuff than we ever have um, because it becomes with the shot clock such an important part. You know, we're not doing a lot of, you know, in years past, we would do big half hour, 40 minute chunks of six versus six half field, right? And if the ball yeah. went out of bounds, like it was like, okay, put another group in, you know, yeah. those guys didn't score or whatever. But now like we don't do as nearly as much of that. Um, everything's based on either off of a face off or if you do, you know, if you do play offense, there's another group down the other end and we want to see a ride clear, get on and off. Um, and then we might put the, another group back in, you know, down on the back on that other offensive end. Um, but you, you really, you know, we, we, we practice half field, we call it full, you know, full field, half field. Um, so we do yep. a lot of that stuff. Yep. All right. Last, uh, last transition, talk a little bit about recruiting and, and, you know, I used to love to recruit and what I love most about recruiting was hoops <laughs> the basketball games the coaches basketball games were so epic over the course of time yeah and, uh, you I know your shoulders a little banged up you said so you can't have been playing a ton of hoops and I don't really have too many people. I'm just getting old I can't keep I up with young guys anymore I know so. but I mean uh just so people know I mean the camaraderie that is built in the, on the basketball court and, and some of the some of the great times I mean I think I think one time you were curling over the top of a pick and Volks, you know, back when he was in shape 10 years ago, you know, he would always wear like a lacrosse penny, you know, because he was jacked. 
And one day I literally like held his shirt and ripped his penny off his back. And it was just, you looked at me and it was just, it was actually pretty hilarious. It's a great way to play a pick. <laughs> it is. Got to hold him a little bit. But, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, look, you know, again, I, I say it all the time, you know, one of the great things about this job, um, you know, besides dealing with college kids, besides the competition, besides the great game, um, you know, the, again, you want to have a little bit of fun with it. And there's a lot of guys out there that I have great relationships with. There's a lot of guys that drive me crazy, I guess. Um, but, you know, when you're out there on the road and you're baking on a, you know, in a summer day recruiting, um, there's no reason, you know, that you can't like have a little bit of fun with things and go play a lunchtime game of hoops or, you know, go play in the evening after, you know, before you, you go home or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, again, I'm getting to the point where there's there's a lot of young guys running around that are, I'm having a hard time keeping up with, but you still try to do that stuff. Um, you know, I know for me, um, again, as a player, I really honestly think that's the best way to, to get in shape for lacrosse. Um, yeah. And because you, you have obviously a lot of the same concepts on offense and a ton of the same concepts on defense. Um, you know, I wish I was a better basketball player and, and could have really played at a, at a, at a higher level. Um, I can never do that stuff, but you know, when I was younger, I could cover a lot of guys and it's because it's the same concepts as lacrosse, right? It's like the picking the, you know, the, the communication stuff. Um, it does drive me crazy. Like when I see some of our guys playing basketball, you know, especially the D guys, I'm like, you guys can't like talk through a pick. Like it's the same thing. Um, so I, I think it's a great way to get in, you know, in shape for lacrosse. Um, and obviously, like I said, there, you know, even on the recruiting trail now, there's a lot of those like guys playing in the pros or you're trying out for us teams. And those guys are, you know, on the circuit playing pickup hoops and, and they're, they're probably too young and too good and too in shape for me to kind of keep up with them. But there's still some old guys that hang in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been some epic old guys, young guys games. That was like the the, the thing for a while. Oh yeah, um, it'd be like me, you, Bresh, Joe Alberici, and yeah, yeah, all the old guys. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it, it's fun, and it's fun. It's funny to see, like, you know, a long time ago, I used to play on the young guy squad. So I know. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's been some epic ones. There's been, you know, I I I think I tell a story back in the the old the old 205, you know, days where. The, the 205 camp used to be at Loyola and we used to go over to Hopkins and play afterwards. Yeah. You know, there was like some near fist fights and I remember beef and Petro getting into it one time. Yeah. 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 I was at that game. That was pretty, <laughs> epic. that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. The, I think the, the most epic one is when uh, Paul Canabine and, and Ricky soul were, were covering each other and, and Ricky was just, you know, Canabine fouls everybody all the time. And he yeah. just was sick of them fouling. Rick was so competitive to turn around and whacked him and, they both looked at each other and just kept playing. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, it's just, it's just a fun, fun thing. And it's, it is funny to see guys compete and there's a lot of good basketball players. There's some guys can really play. And, um, you know, I know a couple of years ago um, was probably the highlight maybe of my, you know, summer hoops career was winning, you know, the first, uh, the first uh, 3D coaches, uh, you know, hoops three on three oh, tournament. That's right. Yeah, so we that was a, one of my best ideas I ever had was to, no was to have was like a was a fifteen hundred dollar check for the winning three on three team on the Friday night of the Denver shootout, and you came out and played. And who was on your team? So Brondage really carried us, and 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 Brian, who was out at uh, at Whittier, you know, he's a tall, drink of water, great player. Oh, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly. Yeah, uh, three of us, you know, and I just I, I was still, I was pretty old back then, so you're banging threes. I was banging threes and just kind like, rims. Yeah. They had kind rims. Yes, yes, kind rims. And uh, it, it got to the point where I was so tired. I was like, all right, we just got to play and get this thing over with. And 
uh, we ended up pulling the thing out. Brondage was the, the Holly Farms MVP. Right. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the worst part about it is, I, you know, I, I won the $500 or whatever, and my wife had already like spent that much. She was out there in, in Denver with me. She bought so many shoes that I think I, I needed more than the 500 to cover that. But um, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. Yeah, the camaraderie is pretty great. And it's funny too, because I mean, and as we transition into talk about recruiting for the last couple of minutes here, you know, you think about, for me, I think about what basketball, I played a lot of basketball as you did, because, you know, not only do we play on the recruiting trail, but when you're in an athletic department, you play lunchtime hoops for your workout, you know, for 15, yeah. 20 years, I probably played every day in, in, the, in this academic year. And I feel like I gained so much athletic fluency from playing that much. And like all of the things that I kind of learned to coach in lacrosse, whether it be two-man game or hesitations or, or the little arm hook we were talking about at the, at the beginning when I was bringing that up, we were like, oh, yeah, that's your basketball move. But all of that stuff you figure out if you play enough, right? Yeah, no doubt. But I feel like as, as recruiters, if you're like, hey, so we all want multi-sport athletes, and you're like, hey, so what sports do you play, buddy? And they're like, oh, I play lacrosse, and, you know. I play basketball. You're like, oh, yeah, where, where do you play basketball? Well, I just play pickup basketball. Right. And you might write it off as whatever, but actually pickup basketball, if you play it, I mean, if, you're, if our players all played a ton of pickup basketball, how much better of teams would we have? Yeah, like I said, it's the same. You know, it is, you know, it's the same. It's like I said, to me, it's the best way to get in shape um, because you're, you're playing a game that's so similar, right? The defensive concepts are exactly the same. The offensive concepts are really similar. Um, communication the communication you know on both sides of the ball are, are exactly the same um and you're running up and down and you're banging into each other especially the way we played basketball right it was yeah. more like wrestling and, and basketball together so much, yeah it was much more like lacrosse um but yeah i mean look i know we there was some discussion in our coaches meetings about like taking out some of the fall recruiting stuff or having a you know really shrinking it um yeah, it, I mean, I know, you know, I say it all the time, like I go watch stuff in the fall. And first of all, you know, the one weekend this fall was so miserable. It was so cold and windy. Like, I'm not sure it was doing anybody any good. And people were yeah. like, well, you know, you play lacrosse and it's cold. And I'm like, yeah, it's cold, but we're out there for two hours, not eight. Right. So, you know, these kids yeah. are out you know, on a field for eight hours and the wind's blowing and everybody's freezing and you can't write down notes. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, you know, bad stuff with that. I think the other thing is, is, you know, you, you want kids, you know, for me, we want kids that are really good high school football players or really good high school soccer players or really good high school wrestlers or basketball or swimming or whatever it is, right? You create so many different opportunities to make friendships, to learn different things, to learn different skills. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to go out to the fall and we don't see this group of guys, but if they're out there like leading their team to the state, you know, football championship or soccer championship, that should be, you know, that should tell you enough. Um, but sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Um, so I know for us, when we recruit, you know, we, we do a, a chunk in the fall, but then we always kind of cut it off. Um, we take a, you know, a certain amount of guys like in the fall and then just stop. Um, and then we'll start taking guys again after we go see kids play high school games. Um, and, you know, obviously it started the summer circuit. So, um, you know, that's always been our philosophy. Again, we've always done it a little bit differently. Um, as a dad, you know, I never understood why guys wanted to recruit kids when they were 13 and, you know, didn't know what they were doing. Um, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that stuff, obviously the new rules have helped with that stuff. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, us as a group, as a coaching group, make some sort of change to the fall calendar, change the way, 
you know, we do that stuff and have fall not as important. Um, and again, not how to be, that? like, how could it be less important by just reducing? You, the I just think you would, you, you would either make it a dead period or shrink the weekends more. Um, you know, like I said, we, 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 there's a lot of different kind of theories on, on that stuff. Um, I think less fall recruiting events would be better. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's obviously not going to happen like this second. Um, but I yeah. think eventually that stuff might, might come through the pipeline. Um, cause you know, like I said, I, I don't know, to me, it is important. It is important for kids to play high school football. And yeah. it, it drives me crazy when we recruit kids and they're, and I ask them if they're playing other sports and they're like, no, I quit to play to concentrate on lacrosse. And I'm like, well, yeah. Tell me what that means. Like, what are you doing? You playing more video games? You sitting on a couch? Or are you really getting better at lacrosse? And if you are putting so much time in lacrosse, is that burnout thing coming? Um, right. I, I don't think it's a good thing to play one sport in high school year round. To me, that's. I mean, you you would have to cut off my pinky to for me to give up high school football. Um, it, it was just such an incredible experience, and you, you know, in many ways. Um, so I, I, you know. I don't really understand some of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's hard, hard though, because I'll tell you, it's very I've hard gone through this with, with, with my own kids and obviously been involved on, on, on the end of being a division one coach and on the end of running a business and my own kids, all that. And it's like the, the fall recruiting events this year, it was more important than ever because of the new rules. Because right. Class of 2021 really didn't get looked at since eighth grade. So they were looked at this summer right. and, and there's no way a staff, can in depth know a class with how many good players there are and how many good teams and how many good events and how many events. No doubt. You can't know. So now but, it's like you, but, if, if but, you I do, but James, I do think that coaches feel like that they're making mis some mistakes in the fall because I believe it. I believe it's it. Not, yeah. It's not real. It's not good lacrosse. It's, it's, it's not terrible good. lacrosse. I mean, yeah. it would be better if there was no fall lacrosse to recruit from. Right. It's just that the issue is how do, how do you do it? Well, the issue is, is that there's no way everyone's getting seen in the summer. I mean, certain teams are going to get seen 10 times more than others. And there's right. just, you might have the best kid on a team that didn't get seen as much. And yeah. then the fall all of a sudden becomes incredibly important for junior year. Right. Because, because it's just the way it's going. Right. But you can't make the fall events. If you're right. on the football team, you're like, well, crap. I mean, I'm a lacrosse player. I'm not going to like just not. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm second string football, whatever it is, you know. It's well, hard. again, I think if there was no fall, if the if that ever came about, you know, if we didn't have any or many recruiting opportunities in the fall, it would go back to the real old days where certain kids, the early kids would be yeah. the kids decided. You, you know, know who Johnny Christmas is the summer before right. junior year yep. and everybody else, you wait till the next summer. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be the best way. Right. It would be. But I agree with that. It's just really, it, it, and it would allow kids that would, they would be multi-sport athletes. Right. And are, are, are we smart enough, good enough, organized enough to, as a, as a coaching no. group to figure out how to do that. Right. No, it's not, it's going to be hard to make happen. And you yeah. know, with all the business that's going on with it, it'd, it'd probably be hard to happen. Yeah. And you're right. Fall across is gross. It's always a disappointment. It, if, if it's a nice day, you know, just chalk it up to as, as, that's as good as it can be. Yeah, no, because it yeah, I mean, I, I, I did an event in Florida, and I felt like it was so much better just because it was 80 degrees out, and I was wearing yeah. flip flops. You know, I'm not sure the lacrosse was that much better, but I was like much happier, that's for sure. Um, but and and the weekend before, I was the most miserable guy around. Like, you know, and nobody wanted to be around me. It was like, you know, it was it was terrible. Um, but I, I was like, I hope everybody remembers this day because like this stinks. 
Um, and it was terrible for the kids. Like it was terrible for the parents. It, it was terrible it for everybody. And it, you know, it had nothing to do with like the event itself or like or anything. It was just terrible weather. And um, again, like it just the the fall lacrosse isn't nearly as good. The kids aren't as good. Um, well, they're not as good because there are athletes that aren't there. There's people that are injured from athletes, and yeah. plus they haven't had a stick in their hands. I mean, the, with in June, at least the kids are coming off their lacrosse season and they're sharp. Yeah, hundred percent. And they practice. I mean, there's no practices, you know. I mean, so. Well, and, you know, I see it all the time. I see kids, and I'm like, you know, you'll see a kid on a Sunday in the fall, and you're like, wow, I thought this kid was really good, and he's not that good. And then you realize he had like, you know, 200 yards rushing and three touchdowns the night before, and yeah. he's like, you know, rolling out of bed and coming to this thing. He's all beat up, and of course he looks terrible. Yeah, uh, the red eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. So hopefully it'll change a little bit. Um, we definitely talk about it. I don't know. I know they're going to put some committees together to talk about it. Um, I don't know if we're going to be organized enough to do it. Um, you know, again, I think the, the good news for us is a couple of years ago, we, everybody went back and forth and we figured out a way to change those recruiting rules. And I think the change has been, you know, really good. It's perfect. I don't think it's perfect, but I don't know if it'll ever be perfect, yeah, it's um, better. but it's better. You can focus on getting better when you're an eighth, ninth, 10th grader. Yeah. You yeah. focus on having fun. I remember distinctly, in the beginning of the recruiting, the, the major early recruiting stuff. And I remember the, when my son was an eighth grader and just how fun lacrosse was. And it's all it was was fun in eighth grade. And then as soon as ninth grade hit it, 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 it was stressful for people. And yeah. so I mean, I, it can be fun. I say it all the time, you know, Murph, uh, you know, Mike at, at Penn, um, you know, said something to me a couple of years ago. Um, and again, it's all about those, you know, the good old days, us get off my lawn, old guys, but it's like, you know, back when we played, um, you know, when we played summer league in high school and we played, we never did it because a college lacrosse coach was going to be there. We never, you know, there weren't a lot of things that we did to be recruited. Like you just did it because like it was fun and you wanted to do it. You wanted to play and you wanted to play summer league um, and you wanted to play in this tournament. Um, You know, again, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that, but we, you know, if we can get it back closer to that, it would be better for our sport. It would be better for the kids and the parents and everybody involved. Yeah, for sure. Well, folks, thanks so much for coming on and sharing um, all these experiences, knowledge, stories, and, um, and just the time. You got it. I'm glad you didn't ask me about stories that, I'm allowed, that I wasn't allowed to tell. So <laughs> we both have a couple of them. We're going to have to – I'm going to set, set up a whole uh, pay-per-view podcast where okay. we're just going to dive into all that stuff. Sounds good. Stay tuned on that one. Sounds good, buddy. All right, folks. Take care, man. See you. Later. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse, And the great news is I've created a seven-day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days. Trust me, when you take a look at it, you're going to want more. Almost everybody gets hooked. 